0: I have always been significantly heavy. Um, I started from, you know, the normal 140 at 5'4 and up 40 pounds to 180. And I've been up over 180 for most of my life. And I'm 5'6 now. So that's still, you know, overweight. By the time I was 20, I'd gone up into the 200s, 250 or so, back down. And I've gained and lost over 100 pounds multiple times in my life. Having kids wreaked havoc, and that's when I started gaining the most weight and going up and down the most. Everybody, you know, who's ever been heavy knows how to diet and they know how to lose the weight. Um, keeping that off and actually making it a journey to being healthy is an entirely different thing, and it's it's uh, more of a journey than most of us realize when we're on it.
1: That's Shrina Zaldevar, incredible mom and ultra runner homeschooling mom, team member of the Pacific Coast Trail Runs community, co-lead for Moms Run This Town online support group, and much more. Today, Srina shares her story of shrinking from 320 pounds to a size half that, her new adventures in learning about autophagy, but most importantly, how the tiny habit of running helped her defy the odds to become a fitness influencer in her own right. Be sure to check out the resources and books she's mentioned in the show notes. She is truly inspiration personified. Are you ready? Let's go.
0: What does vibe mean to you? To us, a positive vibe means feeling good. And at Vibe Solano, it's about a vibrant, healthy Solano County. It's about overall wellness and vitality. It's about feeling well enough physically and emotionally to enjoy our lives to the fullest as active residents. Join the effort to improve the health and wellness of our community. Discover fun events, fitness activities, and healthy things to do. Find us online at vibesolano.com. Get involved for a vibrant, healthy Solano today.
1: Come walk or run at the SoFit City 5K 10K presented by Kaiser Permanente. Help us build healthier and happier cities. Whether fast or slow, crossing the finish line is what matters most. Register today at SoFitCity.com. SoFit City, we run this town. Are you ready? You are now listening to the Solano Fit Podcast, featuring fitness to change your life and inspiration to live your best. Here's your host, O. Johnson. Today, I get to speak with Shrina Zaldivar. She is the co-chapter leader of the Moms Run This Town support group in Elk Grove, a team member of... PCTR, Pacific Coast Trail Runs, helping to deliver great, beautiful runs in Northern California. Plus, she is a member of the Sofa City Council in Solano County, California. Sreena welcome to the show.
0: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
1: What is autophagy?
0: What is, okay.
1: (laughs) Why are you into it? What's so cool about it? How'd you get into it?
0: Uh, It actually started with intermittent fasting. Um, A friend of mine started talking about it. I thought she was out of her mind. (laughs) Oh, Really? Oh, really? I did. I thought she was out of her mind. And then she started doing these split explaining and she did something really smart. She knows me really well. She told me to research it instead of trying to explain it to me. So, um, I did, I started studying it and I found, uh, Dr. Jason Fung. Uh-huh. I think it's IDM program and, uh, started looking up their blogs and their, their info.
1: Wait, wait, wait. IEM program.
0: I, I, yeah, IDM. It's actually um, a program founded by Jason Fong and, uh, Fung, not Fong, and, uh, Megan Ramos. Oh, cool. And it's actually a program based out of Canada. They have a, a health program for fasting so that they, they take people who have type 2 diabetes, they take people who are so far gone on it, and they take them and put them in a program for, um, poor fasting. So it's all supervised medically.
1: So your friend got you into it, but why are you interested in it?
0: First, it was the weight. And then as I started doing more research, I figured out that there, there's a lot of the autophagy will help with a lot of other health issues. Um, besides reversing insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes, the autophagy and stuff will help your body heal from kidney issues, uh, autoimmune issues, which I have. And in my friend's case, it's actually helped her heal a lot faster. At age 47, um, she's 90% of the way healed from, uh, she took a hard fall over in San Jose at Mission Peak just a couple of months ago, and she snapped her ankle in two places and her leg in one. Yikes. And at her age, even being fit and healthy, which she is, it, it's a pretty rough path back she had to have surgery she's got you know six um, screws six or eight screws and uh, told her you know you've got at least a year before you'll be up and moving Um, they started taking extra x-rays etc and she's actually got it documented they're sending her information over to a study because she's up and walking on her foot again she's supposed to be in a boot so her healing has been pretty accelerated
1: A lot of friends have been talking to me about intermittent fasting, but I didn't know how much different it was from autophagy.
0: Yeah. It takes intermittent fasting to another level, basically.
1: But have you done a seven-day fast?
0: I've done one seven-day fast. Uh, It is entirely different for every single person. So there's there's a lot of tweaks that have to be done for each person to make it work. Um, I had to take electrolytes, so like pink Himalayan sea salt in my water. That was pretty much the only modification, that and some lemon in my water.
1: I take it this stuff is still so new that a lot of doctors don't have clinics opened up to service people interested in it.
0: No, they there aren't. There's, a, um, there's actually a pretty famous clinic based out of Santa Rosa right now. Um, and there's actually a lot of studies and clinics across the country for different reasons. So there's recognized studies done on cancer research. And how it can help control cancer. Um, there's recognized studies for diabetes reversal. So they're use, they're actually doing a lot of different studies on the benefits of it for a lot of different Melodies? Um, medical fields. It's not just you know one or another.
1: Yeah, from what I've seen so far, the word means "eat thyself," and it refers to the body's ability to recycle dysfunctional cells. Mm-hmm. I mean, this idea that we've been eating too much is one that is not foreign to American ears. I mean, being first generation, I know that, you know, my father and my father's parents didn't have the the plenty of food that we eat today. And it's no wonder that we're dealing with so many issues that relate to obesity. I mean, we just look at the size of our plates that have increased over the last 20 some years or so. Mm -hmm. And honestly, we're just taking on more food than we need. I mean, when I think about it, I don't remember a day in my life. And this might be true of listeners as well, maybe not, but I don't remember a day in my life that I've ever gone hungry.
0: It's new. Well, it's not, I mean, it's new old. And that's the, that's the thing is it's coming back around. People kind of forget every major religion has some type of fast, right? Fast or feast. And the thing is, is these days people take it differently where, Oh, I'm going to fast for 40 days from Facebook. That wasn't intentionally, you know, electronics weren't the point. We had feast and famine. Uh, One of the research things that that I've been finding out is, you know, back in the 70s, in the early 70s and the 60s, we had no state in the U.S. was over a 20% obesity rate. None. That's right. Now we have no state in the U.S. that is under a 30% obesity rate. And the big change from what I've been reading in the late 70s, The FDA put in our food pyramid.
1: Yeah. Back then we thought the problem was fat. So we went on a complete low fat rampage and ended up adding sugar to the food instead of the fat, which just exacerbated the problem.
0: Yeah. Low fat or calories in, calories out. Our bodies are like, no, that's not really how it works. It should work that way. It it logically should. It's, It's a mathematical fact, right? But it doesn't necessarily work that way because everybody's body burns differently they burn different amounts, they burn, it's all entirely different. And where our bodies shift things to are entirely different. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't necessarily work the way we've all been raised to believe it works. You know, if I went into the kitchen at age four, and I tried to sneak a cookie, I'd get my hands slapped and told no, it's not dinner time. You know, our grandparents didn't have the obesity issues that we do today. Part of that is because there was, you know, famine quite often. And in other in other cases, it was we actually ate three meals a day.
1: Yeah. You know what? I mean, I think so much has changed, not just how the food is prepared and, and how it's served, but but the family has changed too. It's like not a lot of families eat together. Not a lot of families are preparing food at home like they did back in the day. And there are so many different options for food, food on the go and and food delivered to you and And we know that when you eat food outside of the home, you're going to have more sodium, you're going to have more fat in the food, you're going to have higher sugar content. That's true. But the fact that you're learning all this stuff and reading all this stuff is just a testament to how much people can accomplish and learn when they endeavor to learn about it themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I like to understand it, although there's, for me, I'm not an expert on it. So I really have a grasp on certain things that pertain The most to either me or friends of mine that I that I know are having some of the same issues. I have another friend that I talked to about it. She is a type two diabetic, um, and she took it to her. I told her, "Do your research. Take the book. Look at it. um, Take it to your doctor." And so she did take it to her doctor, and she started intermittent fasting. And she's under supervision because she's actually on metformin, which isn't insulin. She took it to her doctor, who actually said, "Hey, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, Her blood sugars are going." down. Mm. And she's only doing your basic intermittent fasting, but her blood sugars have been going down. She's actually half the amount of metformin that she's on. And she's dropped like 20 pounds in the last month and a half.
1: Wow. That is phenomenal work she's doing with the intermittent fasting. Yeah, I mean, just in this topic in general, there've been a lot of books written about the common myths of fitness and weight loss. And so the idea that changing our appetite and changing our palate can help us avoid just tremendous tendency towards disease and ailment is mind-boggling. If we just eat less, it can change our destiny. Mm-hmm. In fact, I know that Gary Tobbs wrote a book about uh, why we get fat. Uh, Dr. Richard Lustig has been uh, writing a lot of books about the dangers of sugar. Both those books go to some measure in dispelling the myths behind calories in, calories out. And unfortunately, that idea has influenced a lot of advice out there.
0: Oh, yeah. It's the predominant, it's, it's still predominant when they're training people for um, coaching, when they're training people for nutrition. When, it, it's the same thing. You go to a nutritionist, and 99.9% of the nutritionists are are still preaching that same thing, exact thing.
1: Um Yeah. I mean, in fact, if you, if you Google some YouTube stuff right now from personal trainers talking about, you know, we're, we're into the diet culture with the new year approaching and all of that, you know, there are going to be people out there who are preaching calories in calories out. And I think that there is, there is some truth to that on its face, but essentially it doesn't take into account the fact we have like different biological algorithms working on where we partition the food and where it goes. And, and I don't think that we, that we take that into account enough and the fitness industry can get in the habit of preaching this energy balance idea, which on its face, I mean, sort of, but not really at all. Like not really at all. I mean, it's just a lot more complicated than that because it's high time that we start appreciating ourselves on an individual basis and really kind of digging in the different systems that um, make us tick both biologically and physiologically, paying attention to not just the quality of what we eat and the quantity of what we eat, but the frequency in which we eat as well. Hey there, listeners. Just wanted to take a quick break to thank you for listening to our young podcast and also to thank our sponsor, Vibe Solano, for their support. And if you feel so inclined, please share the episodes with friends or family that might benefit from any of the insights shared. You can also help by leaving a review for us on iTunes as well. Our hope is to provide you with the relevant and local inspiration to help you live your best. We will be launching a healthy and happy 30 day challenge to kick off the new year. And I'll be doing a body shame, body positive talk in a Solano city near you. Be sure to check out what events we have listed on Facebook or on our events calendar at solanofit.com. Okay, now back to the show. Now, let's get into some running stuff. Now, tell me about your running career. I mean, you didn't just change your body. You changed your life. You changed your world. You know, running and movement and fitness is now a part of your culture. Tell me how you got into fitness and running in the first place when you really weren't crazy about it at all.
0: Not crazy about I didn't exercise. <laughs> Not crazy about it. Anything involving running was crazy to me. I, I liked watching other people run and think, wow, hmm, that's really cool. They look awesome. <laughs> and they're smiling, how are they smiling? Right, right. Uh I actually wanted nothing to do with anything physical after I hit puberty. Mm. Um, I was one of those people who, oh, that involves bouncing. It's not gonna happen. Um, I actually started running because I was trying to find the best way to lose some weight and get fit and get healthy because I was told I was pre diabetic and I was at three hundred and twenty pounds. And I've gone up and down, you know, certain certain amounts, but 320 was my high point. Uh, and I didn't run at 320. I went to the gym and started using the elliptical and stuff like that. So 2009 is when I started trying to lose the weight. 2011 is when I started going to the gym. 2013 is when I actually started running. I ran with my husband. I did the waterfront down in Vallejo. And I did probably dis the distance between one park bench and another, doubled over, trying not to vomit, crying while my husband was laughing. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, that's cool. Because
0: he could run. That that came back to bite him now though. I bet. Um, <laughs> um mind you I think I weighed about two forty at the time. So I started running at, at about two forty there. Uh in the meantime I started researching. I was reading about 50 milers and how, you know, slower runners do good and decided that in a year I wanted to do my first 50 miler. Wow. Mind you, hadn't run more than a 5K, signed up for American River 50 miler, sat down that day and went, oh, wow, maybe that's a little crazy. Uh, I should probably do a marathon before I do 50 miles. Signed up the same day for my first CIM, hmm. which was nine months away.
1: And CIM, for the listeners, yeah. is California International Marathon.
0: It is. So then along the way, as I started researching, you know, training plans, et cetera, et cetera, come to find out that by next year, uh, when I was going to do AR50, I had to not only do a marathon first, I had to run 350Ks three weekends in a row. Um I didn't know those existed at the time, so it was more research and more training and I did finish c i m nine months later. I did finish those fifty ks and I did finish a r fifty that year Wow and then I continued and ran about two one to two fifty ks a month for the rest of that year after a r fifty um ran my first hundred k And since then have run two more 100Ks, several more 50s, some 24-hour runs, some 48-hour runs. Still haven't made a 100-miler.
1: Wow. Well, that's just phenomenal. Okay, so let me scale back just a little bit. So you had struggled with your weight for a long period of time, or at least not. You weren't really crazy into fitness. You hooked up with friends who started to get you moving more regularly. But it sounds like books and research were just a big part of your influence as well. Yeah. So, but at that time, you had already lost 50, 60 pounds already?
0: I would already lost like 70, yeah. And I'd already uh, basically reversed the prediabetes. So,
1: Now, how did you accomplish that?
0: Um, I actually had a bariatric surgery and and started, I was exercising at the gym, but uh, the bariatric surgery helped reverse it too.
1: So then that was your 60 to 70 pounds?
0: Yeah. So from 320 down to about... It depended, you know, 240, 250 at the time.
1: Right, 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 right. So then,
0: at, at five foot six, I was still morbidly obese at, at that point. So
1: and so then, so then after that, then you started running. 2000,
0: yeah, two thousand thirteen is when I actually started running. Boy, those runners that I always saw at the park when I was walking made it look so much easier. You know, most of them <laughs> looked happy. Most of them didn't look like they were dying. And yeah, I felt like I just wanted to puke and die. And yeah, nope, wasn't for me but I did do it. So what I found out later, um, because my, what I really did to get to start running was, okay, I can run to the next bench. I can run to the next tree. Wow. I can run to the next side, you know, crack in the sidewalk. And, um, what I learned later through friends and trainers and research and so on was that, um, I was doing a form of, of intermittent running. You know, some people do, do it much more strictly. They have a timer or they'll do it for a minute. They'll run for five minutes and walk for one. They'll run some of them just to get started. You can do anything for 30 seconds, run for 30 seconds and walk for 30 seconds. But for me, it was literally the next crack in the sidewalk.
1: And I think if anything, that just speaks to your commitment to making it happen with just small, small steps. I mean, I can see why someone would get frustrated and potentially not think that they were doing enough because we live in this age where, you know, we say, you know, no pain, no gain. And the idea that you have to work out super hard or super long. And then if you're not completely wasted and sore either right after the workout or within the next 48 hours, then of course you didn't work hard enough. And yet, know there is a point of diminishing return with that and I think even when you reduce it to the minimum and you do something really really small I think what people forget is that it's not just about today's workout and today's burn and today's soreness it's about how can you sustain this for weeks on end for an entire lifetime and so I think the small the tiny small thing is really the best thing because these are the things that slowly but surely chisel away a new body a new confidence a new life and that's what it sounds like for you that even though these moves are kind of small That's where you needed to be. And that was what was challenging for you.
0: Well, then that's the thing that people, I think there's a, a misperception maybe because at that point, my level of effort was probably the same as my level of effort running a half marathon. Now I was wrecked. It, it just killed me. And so I can't look at somebody else and actually judge their level of effort for what they're really feeling because I know that six years ago when I started running, running 20 yards wrecked me. But now I can easily run that. That's nothing to me. It's like when I first ran, looking back when I ran my first mile and finished it without stopping, that was an amazing feat. And for anyone, that first mile is is going to, the very first time they do it is going to be a different level of effort the hundredth time they've done it. It's not the same even for the same person when they continue doing something like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're just a success on so many different levels. I mean, one level is just the bariatric side of things. I mean, I know that there are people out there who have had that surgery, not just once, but twice, and yet haven't learned or haven't developed the habit strength or the habit power to create a more healthy lifestyle over time.
0: Well, it's that. And it's actually a lot of where we went back with the autophagy and the intermittent fasting. And the, so people neglect to realize, and it's a perception thing that um, a bariatric surgery isn't going to solve things. It's actually just another tool in the chest, and you really have to continue to find new tools. That's right. As you do for living day to day, as you do when you have um, emotional or mental issues, if you have disorders, if you have autoimmune, you actually have to continue fighting for yourself and and being your own best advocate in figuring out what works and doesn't work because bariatric surgery isn't going to solve things. It, it gives you a boost. It gives you an extra step, but it doesn't fix it. It doesn't fix your own emotional issues that caused you to overeat. It doesn't fix the, the physiological issues that cause your body to to gain that weight, because sometimes people exercise, some people, some people are active and they still gain the weight. It could be your thyroid. It could be diabetes. It you know, it could be a lot of different things, and you could still be actually eating the right things, and people think you're cheating. Hmm. You could still be doing all the the things that you're told to do to a the degree that it should be having an effect, and you're still failing at it. So it's a battle and a fight for your own well-being. It's it's a physical, it's a mental. I don't know how to stop fighting for what I need and I don't know how to stop fighting for the people I love. I it's 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 a continuous thing. So I need to continue learning and I have to continue growing. And if I don't then then what am I going to do? If it's not working then something else is going to Mm-hmm. In my case um over a period of time the exercise which started because of weight loss actually became a tool in other parts of my life too it it became more about realizing that it's something that my body needs mentally as much as it did physically
1: Yeah and I think the operative word there is just that you continue to learn and you continue to change because you discovered what your body needed I mean juxtapose that with the idea that we trust other people to tell us what we need or we trust other doctors to have the definitive word on what's healthy for us or, or what we need to do for our own personal health. In fact, and what you prove is that you have to be an advocate for yourself and for your own health because the idea of trusting someone else to tell you what you might intuitively know or feel is just completely flawed.
0: Well, and they're not. They're not the be all and end all because they can't be because they have a formula to follow. But so Physiologically, we're all very individual. And you can give two people the same medication and it can be really wrong for one person and just right fine for another. It's it's impossible that any two people are going to have the exact same reaction. And it's the same thing for bariatric surgery, for intermittent fasting, for low-fat, high-carb or high-fat, low-carb. There It's is no one-size-fits-all. And that is the bottom line for us physiologically, emotionally. We're all individuals. And as a doctor, to look at a person and go, okay, this is what's going to work for you. They're not inside your head. They're not inside your body. They're experimenting just as much as you are. And you're, if you're paying attention, going to have a much more thorough idea of whether that really is going to work if you do your own research.
1: You know, I think that's becoming more in vogue. I mean, I think people need to take the time to really investigate. And I know that we're, we're creatures of convenience, but, um, this is one of those things where you, you really need to take the time to investigate about yourself. And I'm not advocating like dump your doctor.
0: No, no, not at all. Because they're going to have a much wider, like you have small parameters. You're looking at the photo, the pixelated photo. You're looking at the pixels in any given moment. You're looking at the little parts. They're looking at the big picture. And you, what a doctor is supposed to do is work with you as an advocate to get you to see the bigger picture and to give you ideas of, oh, it could be all of these things. And then together, you're supposed to be able to go, okay, this is working. This isn't working. It, the problem is is in the system we have, as it, it is with most things, we've gone from small let's figure it out together to oh there's six billion people we don't have time for this you're just another number a cog in the wheel and the only way to get around that is to be your own advocate absolutely it's it's not like the old country doctor who knew you from the time you were born until today where they actually knew that okay you've had the measles you've had the mumps you've had the colds, you've had and i know what that you know they don't know you like that and then we've got the specialists. Even even if your general doctor does, your specialist doesn't know any of that, and they barely peruse the notes. And the 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 nurse that that brings you in and checks your blood pressure, you know, and and then the doctor gets there. He hasn't even looked at the blood pressure the nurse did. You know, it it it's too.
1: Yeah, it's like a machine. Yeah,
0: there's it's it, they've got one-size-fits-all mentality when in reality that's not working for any of us we have obesity at a higher rate than ever we have diabetes type 2 is becoming an epidemic and it, it's not it's not for lack of a desire to fix things it's just because we live in a box and, and as a as society as a general rule wonders why our children are becoming institutionalized, whether it's through jail or through at at a, a higher rate than ever. And it's because you're institutionalizing them from the time they're five years old. That's all they know.
1: Oh preach. <laughs> I love it. I love Sorry. it. Sorry. No, you're getting on a roll, should see. I mean you could you should have your own show. Listen, no, no, I think I think you're so right. And I think what you're what you're demonstrating and what you're illustrating is that these doctors, these trainers, these uh these health professionals, while they're not the end all be all, they can serve as a tremendous compliment. And you have to make sure that these people are serving you and that you're not just another cog in the in the wheel serving the system.
0: Yeah, that's the gist of it. Everybody trusts that the system is gonna work for them. When in reality, they have to work the system. They have to figure it out.
1: So you're obviously super busy. Stay at home mom. You're working a business with your husband. You're homeschooling the kids. That's a whole nother story in and of itself. Um, But how do you make the time to make fitness a priority in your life?
0: You know, I run on a daily basis. The problem is, is I only have 30 minutes. Well, I can run out with lace up and go do 10 minutes out and 10 minutes back that's all the time I've got, that's all the time I've got. And if I can't run, I can walk. You know, that's, that's all I have time for. Some people, they need that yoga class. Go take that yoga class. They have that Zumba class. They need the jazzercise. If that's what works for them, that is what they need to do. And if they can't stay for the whole class, then stay for half of it. And go get what you have to done. If you can't go at 2 in the afternoon, because you have to pick your kids up from school and you're stuck in that line, then go at, after you put the kids to bed. And again, it doesn't have to be an hour at a time. It doesn't have to be two hours at a time. It, It doesn't even have to be a class. Go turn on the phone and walk. I mean, just start somewhere. So it's not, it's not a matter of I have to do it all now. It's a matter of do what you can today. It's what fits into your day. And for that mom who has a three year old and a two year old and, and if it's running that you want to do, there's there's clubs. Uh Mom moms run this town is a free international club. There's let's go to the park. You can run in circles around the park while they're while they're there. I've done that when mine were littler. And, and then the other part of those kinds of things is there's a level of support that we as humans really need. Some, some people are introverts. Some people think they don't need people. That's not necessarily what that means. We all need each other. We need some social interaction. We need some social support. And one of the hardest times of my life, and, and my, my husband and I were just talking about this, one of the most difficult, most emotionally troubling times in my life was actually when my kids were small. Mm. I felt isolated. I felt alone. I felt like I was the only one going through everything I was going through. And I know now that I wasn't, that, that pretty much every mom Feels that to some degree and some dads feel that to some degree even though they're not always the ones home with the kids sometimes they are but um every human feels that level of isolation for some reason at some point in their lives and uh in this case with like moms around this town i I try to tell them look if you need coffee my door is always open because i know how hard it is to be home alone and not have an adult to talk to it's extremely isolating, and that's a really hard time in most women's lives because it's not something anyone ever prepares them for before they have kids.
1: Talk a little bit about how you got involved in these communities in the first place, how they accepted you, and if you could provide any sort of advice for anyone who is afraid to embark on their own.
0: Yeah. Th- to be honest, there's only one way to do that. Go. Go. You know, just do it. It, it, It's gonna be, and, and, and I have, I have social anxiety. Um, you wouldn't think it now, but I, I had social anxiety and the bigger the crowd, the more I wanted to climb under a chair. Uh, and so yeah, maybe I was that wallflower watching people for a while, but I made myself go anyway. And, and then, um, as things went on, I'd find something I could do to help. And that made me more comfortable because I was helping and and so little steps along the way the same thing you do with running you find one thing that you can do and sometimes it was find one person you can talk to it was um hmm i can do the cooking i can feed people and in making sure that other people were comfortable i got more comfortable
1: yeah was it scary
0: absolutely terrifying being, like I said, having social anxiety and and being someone who was more attuned to the anger in people around me or the frustrations and the feelings that other people have, it it, it you feel what other people feel, and and that goes back to how I grew up and needing needing to be able to measure the room because was he was he going to hit me that day. Did I need to go hide under the house? You know, so those are things that for me had to be developed from deficits in how I dealt with people have become assets in how I deal with people because I can measure the room while wow, that person's not feeling comfortable. What can I do to make them feel better? How can I make them feel more included? Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't, but I, it is, it has gone from being a total detriment in how I coped to being one of the tools I can use.
1: For all the things that running has done for you and the ways that you have, like you just said, changed a negative into a positive and turned things around for yourself, if there were three things that running has provided you, maybe the top three things that you benefited most from, what would they be?
0: Well, it's actually been probably the most prominent tool in coping and in growing this last few years. Um, It's helped me lose weight. I mean, that's one of the obvious things. Um, it started me as far as me finding people that I could relate to and learning to run was finding something for myself. Granted, I know it doesn't work for everybody. I'm not saying that everybody needs to run. I'm saying find your fit, whether it's walking, hiking, running, biking, and it doesn't matter if it's that physical either. It's about finding what works for you. And everybody needs to, needs to try and do that. They need to be able to do that because otherwise they get depressed. And you know, depression is another one of those epidemics we have.
1: No, you're absolutely right. I think the ill effects of isolation are underrated and it's becoming one of those things in our culture that's just a sign of the times. And yet physical activity and running have provided for you such an abundance of benefits.
0: It was a catalyst for so many other things
1: better energy, more friends, more happiness, better health, all of those things. Exactly. And you know, one of the things that I love most about your story is just how you didn't need permission. You just had to put the time in. You don't need someone to qualify you. You just need to start. And then like you said, go. Yeah.
0: And that—that that is the very bottom line. Just go. Because you can sit there and think of a million different reasons why this isn't a good idea. You can sit there and talk yourself out of going outside. Just go. Just go. Just do it because you might actually hate running. And believe me, there are days that I do. There are days that I am out on a walk and I am going grumbling to myself the entire time, I I can't do it. I don't want to do it. And and I'm guilty. You know, I I might go out for a 5-mile run, and that entire first three miles is, why am I doing this? I can't breathe. My feet hurt. My legs hurt. I don't want to do this. And, it, and then about mile three, I'm thinking, wow, I got three miles in. Um, hey, I can do another mile. That's, that's not that far. Believe me, a mile isn't, is far. It, it does, it is far, especially when you're first starting. But, you know, whatever it is you're thinking to try for fitness for you, well
1: try it. Well said. Yeah. Gosh. I mean it was just like 9 years ago for you where at least back in 2013 you really started to make strides but before that, you know, back in 2009, 2010 when you're getting all that bad news from the doctor. Then fast forward from where you were then to where you are now. I mean, now you're at the forefront of people's lives, you're helping out with the Pacific Coast Trail runs and you're running 50-milers and you're running all the time and now you're influencing your daughter to get into fitness as well and now she's going to start her first marathon. I mean, 200 pounds ago Could you have even fathomed that this would ever be you?
0: No, no. If somebody had told me I was going to run a mile, I would have probably laughed till I cried.
1: (laughs) Yeah. For me, for me, hearing stories like this, it just, it never gets old. Just how people are able to turn their lives completely around um, and take it to a whole nother level and to surprise the heck out of themselves. And at the same time, helping to benefit others in so many ways. I mean, to be able to be a witness to that or to be a part of it's just something that's really special. And for me and for everyone that you're helping and those who are influenced by you, thank you.
0: <laughs> it's not, it's not a, anything ever planned. So getting to, to do the SoFit stuff with you guys was also a good part of my
1: growth. Well, Srina, at the end of every episode, we like to do something fun just to get to know you a little bit better. Our theme this season is Unite the Seven. There are seven cities in Solano County. I am going to ask you your seven favorite things in a time of 10 seconds. Do you think you can do it?
0: Uh, maybe.
1: Cool. It's always super fun. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, now, okay. Are you ready?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ish. <laughs>
1: yes, ish. In, yes. In how many
0: seconds? <laughs>
1: Okay. Okay. Here we go. Your favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure. The pressure. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. But if you're ready, I'm going to start the timer. Here we. Go. Favorite exercise. Running. Color. Green. Favorite book.
0: Anything by Anne McCaffrey.
1: Favorite song. Uh,
0: love Can Build a Bridge. That took up a long Favorite time.
1: Favorite food. <laughs> Favorite food. Cheese. Favorite movie.
0: Uh yeah, pass. Pa-
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't think you can pass. Pass? I don't think you can. What's your favorite mm. guilty pleasure? Favorite, favorite guilty pleasure? Chocolate. <laughs> chocolate. Okay. Your favorite guilty pleasure is chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah. I got it. <laughs>
0: okay. I don't know if I can score this.
1: Does this count? So tell me more about the movie thing. You don't have a favorite movie? I
0: don't. I don't like to watch things more than once, so. Okay.
1: Okay. Should I have said favorite Netflix special?
0: No. Again, they go by me. I'm done. You're a doer. I'm a, I'm done. I'm a watch it once and I'm done.
1: Sreena Z is a doer, not a watcher. Got it.
0: And books books are hard to narrow down.
1: Okay, so wait. I, I didn't catch the author. Wait, who's the author?
0: Uh, Anne McCaffrey. She's been one of my favorite authors since I was 11 years old.
1: Wow. Super cool. Well, Sreena, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing in fitness and on social media. I see your posts all the time, inspiring women and men to keep at it. And for all the things that you're doing in Elk Grove and also in Solano County, you continue to be a light to people who are struggling with things that you once struggled with. And it's been a pleasure and an honor talking with you today.
0: Thanks for having me. It's been really fun talking to you. And uh, thanks for showing me a new way of looking at a few things.
1: If you've battled, if you've struggled with weight loss, if you're concerned about getting involved in a new fitness community, contact Sreena Zaldivar. You can reach her out on Facebook. You can check out our show notes for all of her links and their details. Her full name is Sreena Firestone Zaldivar, Z-A-L-D-I-V-A-R. You can reach her there. She is more than willing to help you navigate what can sometimes be a challenging and intimidating process when it comes to fitness or starting something new. Don't let an excuse get in your way. Check her out, give her a call, email her today.